I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Greetings. Earthlings. To the Kate and Mike Show. Hi. We are coming to you from... The basement, per usual. Yes. (laughs) My coffee hasn't quite kicked in this morning, but it's getting there. So you may notice my energy ramp up as we go through the show. I'm still feeling a little... I had a late night call with our incubator last night. And at any time I work after 7, I just... The next morning, I just... I'm on the struggle bus. It's like a screen time hangover. We should order Felix Gray, I believe, or Dave Asprey has those for Bulletproof Coffee, but they make those blue light glasses, glasses that are I should attractive yeah. looking. So I can show versus... up on my calls with the sexy glasses. Yeah, you can have your sexy I know blue light because glasses. the ones that we have are very like space age. Well, they're yellow, man. right? They're, it's a, well, it's a yellow lens and then it's hard to... So when you're on a Zoom call doing talking to a bunch of people and you have a yellow lens looking and you're leading it, it's kind of strange. I mean, I tell them all sorts of strange things, the least of which would be weird glasses, <laughs> but, but we will look into it. Yeah, it's so, so much, so much data, interesting stuff around the way that screens and the artificial light affects us and affects our circadian rhythms. And it is... Mike and I are pretty good about shutting it down. Felix um, Gray. Felix that's Gray. I, I, I have no, I've not used them, but uh, that's, I've seen their ads on Instagram. <laughs> so Great. <laughs> I think my new glasses from Warby Parker that I got, which I've not worn yet because they're too tight, but now all the eye doctors are closed. So maybe I should figure out how to adjust them myself. They have blue, the blue light built into them. The blue, oh, whatever it is. cool. Yeah. It's like a filter. Yeah, the filter. But anyway, gray. it's just because like I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I don't like put things in my body that aren't good for me for the most part. Of course, I eat some sugar. You know, I'm drinking coffee right now. There's a lot of debate about whether or not coffee is good for you. I love it so much. I'm not giving it up right now anyway. But because of that, like I'm pretty aware of the difference in my body and screen time after seven is really like, I really notice what I usually do is I'm done working around four 30, you know, in regular times when we pick the girls up at daycare in Corona times, who knows what's going on, but, <laughs> but I still, I've, I've been usually taking the afternoon shift at the office. So I've been coming home around four thirty-five, and then I'm done for the day, but I did my incubator call and then I have another call tonight for the pivot. So maybe I'll just wear the weirdo glasses on the pivot call, even though, you know, because who cares? My quality of sleep is far more important than how I look. And the women in origin are not judging me. And if they are, that really has nothing to do with me. It is such a wonderful thing getting older and caring less what people think. I mean, this isn't really about the dorky glasses. It's just like in general, I was away with some girlfriends that I went to, that I grew up with a while ago. And when I hang out with them, it's particularly, it's like particularly apparent because growing up, 
I tried so hard to fit in because I just like had this really weird mother and she was just not like the other mothers. And I desperately wanted her to be normal. And she wasn't. And she still isn't. And then so I really tried hard to fit in. And then I really tried hard to fit in in college. And then like through my 20s, I became more and more who I am. And then, you know, now like in my late 30s, am I in my late 30s? I don't know. You're 37. Really? Yeah, I guess I just turned 37. Yeah, you just turned 37. Anyway, it's just fascinating to notice because I was with these women and I just was saying all the weird things instead of keeping them to myself. And I just, it's so freeing. It's all I was going to say. It's so freeing. And these women have known me through so many different evolutions of like, you know, trying to fit in versus being who I am. And it it was, just want to say like, it's refreshing to just be who you are. It's so much easier. I'm just going to tell... For those of you who don't know what blue light is, I think right. it would be interesting yeah, to define that. So this is from the Felix Gray website that I went there. And it's this is not a paid F-E-L-I-X ad. F-E-L-I-X. Do they have them in, in different frames? G-R-A-Y. They do. They have sunglasses. So they have like some cute ones. The woman that's here in this ad looks cute with her glasses on. Yes. Their yeah. glasses look cute. You know what? I have always wanted glasses, but my eyes are great like i don't need them i even went to the eye doctor to see if maybe i could <laughs> get some well you were doing something weird with your eyes and for they a while. were like they were like your eyesight is perfect you're probably just stressed out <laughs> i was like okay got it because i was just feeling like i was having a lot of strain and even in college i had glasses with no lenses in them that's funny so, so i'm excited bl- <laughs> Great. Blue light is a high energy light that screens emit and it can have negative impacts on our health. Studies show overexposure to blue light may be linked to eye strain, increased risk of macular degeneration. Mm. Whoa, Mike with big words and sleep cycle disruption. Our lenses filter blue light, particularly the highest energy wavelength of 400 to 440 nanometers. Now, Disclaimer, I don't know what studies they're talking about. I have not dove into their website. I'm sure there's some on there, so you can go check it out for yourself if you want to. Yeah. But I notice a big difference, just my, my own study, personal experience. Exactly. Right? My study is when I am on my screens at night, I sleep like crap and I feel hungover the next morning. This is my study. <laughs> and that's, you know, anyway, so yeah. I, well, I'm going to check it out. Maybe they can sponsor our show. Maybe. Okay. We have also talked about, you know, the size of the screen is a big is a thing as well, right? So if you're staring at your phone all day, I mean, I've noticed this for my own self and kind of studied my my own thing, even like FaceTiming with my parents on our phones versus on the iPad with the kids or a computer, it's much different for them as well. Watching them interact, the difference between a phone and an iPad is very, they sit back farther, they're able to see you know, with the phone, they want to like hold it in their hands and it's arm well, length yeah. away. I mean, we basically, it has to be a very extenuating circumstance to let Penelope watch a show on our phone. Like I can think of like two or three times I've ever let her do that because the breakdown, the meltdown and the attachment is so much stronger to the phone than like having her watch a show on our TV. Right. And there's something about, and I notice it the same with myself. There's something about the addiction of the smaller screen and the scrolling that I don't have 
on a larger yep. screen. And I don't know. I'm sure there's just, some data on that. Just think but about like I'm putting my phone up to my eyes right now. You know, it's like my phone is the same. I think it has something. It's like the narrow vision it's or narrow the, fi- vision. It's the field of vision, how you're looking. Yeah. Because our eyes naturally, when I'm looking straight ahead right now, you have peripher- peripheral. What's that? Peripheral. Peripheral vision. And so you see all of this stuff, right? <laughs> and you, I can see. <laughs> Why are you laughing? because of the way you say peripheral peripheral uh but like (laughs) you got that vision out the side of your face in case you're listening and you want to write in and tell me i'm correcting my husband and it's emasculating i just want you to know stop doing he just asked me how to pronounce it and i am giggling because honestly people mispronouncing words is i don't know why i think it's like it's my favorite kind of sense of humor it just which i married the perfect person yeah it's perfect Stop writing in and say that Kate's emasculating me. Okay, the uh, it's. I mean, we had that. We had a whole another discussion about this because there was comment. So that'll be another podcast. But yeah, you, like anyway, back to your field of vision. Like when you're naturally operating in the world, you see a lot, right? You can see it's a lot, and then when you stare at a phone, it narrows your field of vision so much, and it probably puts strain on your brain. Strain on your brain. Straight on your eyes. I mean, I don't know about it this. Probably like, you know, just what I've been learning about the nervous system. <laughs> this is like science with Kate and mine. <laughs> what I've been learning about the nervous system, really, there is this myopia that happens with fight or flight when we're in our sympathetic nervous system. Like you literally, your peripheral vision goes away. You're really in this sort of tunnel vision. And I wonder if staring at a small screen may have something to do with the nervous system and our calming reaction. Because even just right now, if I'm sitting here in our basement and I pay attention to the edges of my vision, I do notice that I feel more calm. So I don't know if this is a nervous system healing technique. I bet it is. But just notice, like, can you right now look on the edges of your field of vision and I feel immediately the parasympathetic nervous system turn on Hmm. when I do that. Like I feel so much more calm. That felt really nice. Oh, wow. Okay. So new discoveries every day. And basically like this is actually the perfect intro to our topic, which I know you have a a user, a a listener shout out, but I do want to say before we do the listener shout out that we are going to be talking about being with ourselves, being with ourselves during intensity, being with ourselves during non-intensity, just we're going to have an episode about being with ourselves. And I think that the conversation around screen time is definitely interconnected with the conversation around being with ourselves. Yeah, we are experiencing a lot of time to be with ourselves right now. Of course, we might have families around it's but, like a lot of time to be with ourselves and then some people no time to be with themselves. And then and yeah. that, that's like a whole other layer. So. Right. Yeah. Because I know there's some of my friends who are single. Some of them are loving it. They're just like hanging out, taking baths, just like enjoying life. And then others that are single that I'm talking to have are having a hard time. And right. This is a situation where they're really with themselves. And then with us being a, have a family of four at home trying to also somewhat be with ourselves with the chaos that exists and then also with people around right that makes that sounded a little confusing in my own head i I think you got it i think we got it yeah but i i think what you're pointing to is that there's there's being with ourselves like 
we're just by ourselves without other people. Right. But there's being with ourselves like being with ourselves no matter what's happening in our environment. And this episode is not about whether or not you are in isolation with other humans, yes. though we may touch on that. This episode is about being with yourself, like being with yourself and staying with yourself no matter what is happening around. Yeah. Like that person that you look at in the mirror. That's what we're talking about. Do you want to do the listener shout out? Yeah. Well, I was just creating a little suspense there. Uh, <laughs> the awkward Highly moment. Effective. Of, the awkward moment of silence. And like, what's going on? Okay. So this came from Elaine in Maine. I believe I pronounced that correctly. If I did not, Elaine, you can fill me in. But How is her name spelled? A-L-A-N-E. Oh, yeah. I mean, it It could be Alani. Alani, Elaine. Elaine, yeah. I mean, phonetically, it, it looks like Elaine. Plus, yeah. why would you call yourself Elaine in Maine if it didn't rhyme? That's right. Alani in Maine? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't have the same. It doesn't have the same thing. Mm -mm. Anyway, that's great. So, new fan, and thank you. I live in Maine and became. <laughs> really? <laughs> honest. <laughs> great discovery. I live in Maine on Main Street. <laughs> And for those outside of Maine, a lot of towns name their spelling of Main Street is M-A-I-N-E, just like the state of Maine. We are super dorks here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I live in Maine and became aware of Kate and subsequent... Subsequently? Yes. This podcast of this about a month ago and have been enjoying listening ever since. <laughs> Kate's over here just laughing that she had to say the word again. <laughs> well, because now I'm like doing this whole thing in my head about different ways you could pronounce that like subsequently and like all these different things. And I'm just making myself giggle. I've only... With spoonerisms. Which P.S. a spoonerism is when you mispronounce a word. Sort of. I have a lot of those. I do a lot of spoonerisms. Isn't spoonerism a great word? Yeah, what a great word. Yeah, spoonerism. Let's change our podcast. <laughs> Spoonerism <laughs> to Kate and the Spoonerism <laughs> instead of Kate and the, uh, the other guy. I've only listened to a few episodes starting on March 3rd, but I keep coming Ooh, back for more and new. look forward to listening to older episodes too. So much of your content is speaking to me exactly where I am right now. And I appreciate it so much. Mm. I am S H M. No S sham to two small girls. Uh, stay at home. Oh, stay at home mom. Mom. Oh, S -A -H -M wow. S-A-H-M is yes. the acronym yes. for stay at home mom. Yep. Got that. Okay. I am a stay at home mom to two small you girls. You are obviously not a mom blogger. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I really struggle with acronyms. Not only do I struggle with pronouncing words, but acronyms also. I'm a stay at home mom with two small girls, a health and wellness nut, S aspiring blogger and constantly taking. Oh my God. This is ridiculous constantly talking about not living and fear healing trauma etc etc smiley face this is a grounded and informative podcast and makes for easy and fun listening thanks to the great hosts you've got a new fan i hope Aww. elaine in maine that me reading your po your review was as fun <laughs> as it was for us to read it because thank you so much thank you elaine shout out <laughs> To our neighbor and our new member of the pod squad. Yeah. Let's, so let's talk about being with ourselves. 
Let's talk this about was, it. This episode topic was your idea, honey. So yep. podcast is over. See you guys next what? time. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you what was the impetus for this? So this started a while ago. I was listening to Raval Navicon on Tim Ferriss's podcast. This is probably eight, nine, maybe a year ago. Eight, nine. I was going to say eight, nine months ago. Some way, some, maybe up to a year ago. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He talked about is... <laughs> what are you... What's going on now? You're funny because when you tell stories, you like to... Here's what you do. You say when the thing happened and then you get really obsessed with getting precise <laughs> around it and it never matters. <laughs> well, I think or you saying, get obsessed with getting precise about the order in which things yeah, happen, mm -hmm. which also generally doesn't matter to the person listening to the story. It's, well, it's a cute it's a cute behavior that you do and you just did it. I like my details. I know you uh, do. <laughs> part of part of your genius. Uh huh. All right. So this took place about six, seven, eight, nine, maybe a year ago or two. It's really, it doesn't matter. It happened on Kate's birthday. So anyway, he was talking about... <laughs> did not. Instead of meditating or... Because he was talking about distraction, right? It was how much we fill ourselves on a daily basis with distractions. We talked about the phones earlier today. We can talk about social media apps. We can talk about the algorithms side of social media apps, how they're programmed to hook us in and they keep us there, et cetera, right? So then he said, instead of doing a meditation app or even tapping, you know, it's like the experiment to do for yourself is to sit by yourself, no music, literally you just sit there, complete silence. And it could be when you wake up in the morning, it could be in the middle of the day, it could be before you go to bed, just you're literally sitting with yourself. And for some reason, when he explained that to me, it really resonated with me at that time. And I was like, this is an interesting thing to test out. My coach, my coach many years ago in like 2011, 2012, Chayla Davison remains a dear friend. I highly recommend her as a coach. P.S. If you're looking for a coach, go look up Chayla Davison. She didn't ask me to do that, but she's damn good. So she had me doing a weekly practice of sitting by myself, not meditating, not breathing, not visualizing, like not doing anything for an hour a week. And I resisted it a lot. I often did not do it. I thought I was too busy, which is hilarious. <laughs> Looking back, because in 2012, Mike and I were living in my friend's house on the east end of Long Island. We had no children. We had no responsibilities. And we had our business, but like we were just making that up. And I thought I was too busy, which is just like such a great example that what we tell ourselves about why we can't do the thing that's good for us is total bullshit. <laughs> and I'll tell you another example of that that's happening in, in my life right now. But it was painful to do that. I think it would be less so now. Over the years, I've gotten better at being with myself, I think partially because I've gone through more painful experiences and sort of been squeezed into presence mm. with myself. And I think that difficult experiences can, they're an invitation to be with ourselves in a deeper way, but they can also repel us from ourselves. And so that's, you know, that's of course the moment we're in right now is this choice to stay or run. Right. 
And also you there, I, I just, what popped in my head when you were talking about that was even when you were in labor. That's what I was thinking about too. Yeah. I just remember really with the home birth more than anything else, the hospital with Ruby's birth was, was harder for me just to, uh, clearly because we've went through the skin journey, but just witnessing Ruby's birth was easier for me. It was easier for you, but it <laughs> was for the record. Yeah, but it was from from a standpoint on. <laughs> you say Ruby's birth was harder for me. I was like, no, no, I would say from a visually what I'm. <laughs> yeah, man, it was really difficult. I mean, Ruby's birth was so hard for me. Yeah, but just from those a visual third degree tears and the. Yeah, man, I really, I really <laughs> fell into those. It was no, but just from the experience of the the other person in the room not being in labor was the <laughs> where I'm going to blow coffee out of my mouth. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, let me continue. Yeah, it's like watching even though you were kind of doing you were still in your body in both like both births but they were completely different experiences, right? And so with being the host, started a home birth for Penelope and then ended up with the whole experience in the hospital. But it was, yeah, it was just a watch because there was no other option. You know, watching you was like you were 100% in your body. So our therapist, David, I don't remember why, but he was asking me about being in labor and birth. And I remember I was describing the experience to you both in our session. And what came to me, like I really, he has us do this. He's a somatic therapist. So he really has us like go into our bodies to go into the feeling. So he really had me go in there. And I was describing the feeling. And what's so interesting about it is that it was so lonely both experiences of being in labor because even though you're an incredibly supportive person and you were you were there with me you know we had our doulas and midwives nurses ob's like there were people but at the end of the day like i was just like no one else can do this for me and it's so lonely because no one else is feeling what i'm feeling even the women in this room who've been in labor and given birth before, they don't know what this one feels like and they can't take it away. Like they can't take the discomfort away for me. And I think that going through both of those experiences and then just, you know, going through all of the nursing challenges with Penelope and my insomnia and my anxiety and my depression and and then going through your sickness, you know, you can share about your sickness, which you've you've talked about a lot, but just this feeling of like, I think that we really, I really, I really, I'll speak for myself. I really would prefer that someone could else could fix things for me. I just really had a whole like, you know, full body soul rash the other day. It wasn't actually a rash, but what, you know, the way I would describe it is <laughs> it felt like my whole soul broke out in hives, <laughs> having an allergic reaction to this moment in our company the other day where all these things had broken and needed to be fixed. And like, I did some writing about it because I was so just like <laughs> losing it. And so I sat to write, which is one of my best ways to be with myself. 
is to describe how I'm feeling mm-hmm. and to articulate it in words. It just helps me tremendously to know where I am in space to write it down. And what can- I wrote like 50 times on the piece of paper, I want to make things. I don't want to fix them. I want to make things. I don't want to fix them. I want to make things. I don't want to fix them. So I really like I really prefer other people to fix things. And it- <laughs> and I think I'm not alone. No, this. no, no, no. You're right. Not. Like I am the. There's people that are good at fixing things. I am and like then the delegator of all time. I'm like, if I start to do something and it appears that I don't have the skill set or like it's hard or whatever, I've really trained myself to be like, who else is skilled in this area? Who could handle it so that I can get back to doing the thing that I'm best at and that brings me joy? But that works really great in our businesses and in, you know, when it comes to like productivity and workflow and projects, but in our lives <laughs> around being in tough spots in marriage and, and parenting and being in labor and, you know, tending, you know, be, having a sick spouse and death and global pandemics and, you know, like all di- financial difficulty, like there are these moments where no one else can fix it for us. And and that's the gold. And I'm working on being with myself and not popping out to go on the internet to figure out if mm-hmm. someone else could fix it, not calling a girlfriend to see if she can fix it, not, you know, with those things like with labor or whatever. Like, it's not like I was looking for you to fix it. I mean, it's obvious you couldn't fix it. But No, we went to Google. <laughs> We just like Googled in. What what was the thing you were Googling that one time? You were having a really hard time and you were... I was Googling uh, something about feminine energy, like how to be in your feminine. And you were like, you were like the answer that you are looking for is not on Google. Another shout out because I can't stop. Stop using Google, folks. Use DuckDuckGo or Ecosia because they are more open source search engines. We have a belief that is wrong, mostly. This idea that Google is just this like open search engine of all the information on the internet and it's just pulling up all the resources in an in a unbiased way. It is not. It censors stuff all the time. There was a huge mm. crackdown in 2019 with natural health stuff. We're, so we're going to get in. We're going to... Ecosia and DuckDuckGo. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Are great choices. And I've had a couple of people write in saying that Google bought DuckDuckGo. They bought a website called Duck.com, not DuckDuckGo. So in case there's some confusion around that. Yeah, you got to get your duck supplies that... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I research things and I share when I, I feel like it's relevant. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, being in birth, being in, in labor, giving birth to both of our girls was by far the loneliest experience I've ever had. And the most I ever have been called to be with myself. And it really was so beautiful because... I just stayed because I couldn't not stay. And then I got a baby. And then like I stayed and I didn't die. And then it changed. I mean, that's what happens. We talked about this with Laura McCowan on our episode about her book, We Are the Luckiest. You know, she had this beautiful passage, this beautiful story in her book of this moment where in her sobriety journey, she, you know, had a bunch of emotions coming up. And instead of going 
and getting on the on her phone and scrolling or turning on the TV or pouring a cup of coffee or even going for a run. She just stayed on her living room floor and she felt like she was going to die and she felt like the feeling would, you know, envelop her and that there would be no end to it. And then she stayed. And then within a couple of minutes, the feeling changed. Like it was such a beautiful passage because it is so true. And and Glennon Doyle, who's going to be on the podcast very soon, so excited, talking about her book, Untamed, shared also about staying with this beautiful story of being with her grandmother in her transition. And just like that we are taught to avoid the pain. We're taught, find somebody who can fix it, get a pill, get, you know, get a procedure, numb it with sugar, like Avoid pain at all costs is basically our cultural narrative or ramp up your pain because it'll make you a more valuable person. Like we have a lot of actually interesting conflicting messages about pain. Yeah. But one of them is avoid pain at all costs because it'll kill you. And I get it. Like I thought I was going to die during Penelope's birth for sure. Not so much Ruby's birth. I knew I wasn't going to die during Ruby's birth, but it was still really hard mostly because I had a freaking OB breathing down my neck, you know, trying to tell me she was going to wheel me in for surgery at any minute. Anywho. <laughs> so, so all of that to say, you know, it's hard to be with yourself, but the gifts are profound because, you know, if we can be with ourselves in discomfort, then we can also be with ourselves during in joy. If we can't be with ourselves when there's pain, we can't be with ourselves when there's pleasure. Because you numb one, you numb the whole thing. And that's a bummer to live numb. So, honey, what are some of the ways that you've noticed that you numb? And then I can I can share some of the ways that I numb. Well, I don't anymore because I am perfect. Oh, are you an ascended master? Oh. <laughs> so glad I'm living in quarantine with an ascended master. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> Aren't you special? <laughs> My next element is working on my English pronunciation. Basically, a lot. So Instagram scrolling for sure. And just mindlessly looking at stuff over and over and over again. And it's just like, (laughs) what am I doing? You know, you get to the end of it. You're like, what did I just do? Uh, YouTube videos, just videos in general. But I've noticed there's a much different relationship around watching YouTube videos versus watching a movie. You know, for me, is that I've under, yes, it's that same narrow kind of focus versus watching on your phone versus watching, because I don't spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos on my phone, but it would be the, yeah, just the, the not numbing there, eating, kind of just walking around the kitchen, just opening a cabinet, getting food, not really hungry at all. Just be like, oh, I'm here. And being probably a little bit too reactive sometimes to our kids, instead of, especially when they're experiencing hard time, you can, you, there's some, especially with Penelope, it's the initial fire back type thing. I don't know how else to say that, but I'm sure everybody on here understands what I'm talking She's about. She's triggering. She is. Yeah. She's here to heal us. She is. Because yeah. And it's really ramped up in the last two weeks. Dude. She's a lot. She, in the last couple of days, I've noticed like her eye, like the way her facial expression is to you. She's like, it's like step up. It's like, you think you're going to mess with me? I'm going to take you out. You know, she's got the, I'm going to take you out face look going on. And Can it you just, be with yourself right, right now? <laughs> yeah. So it's been a thing, just paying attention to that. And then 
those are probably the biggest yeah because in the last couple of weeks i i muted internet on my phone so i i'm not able to even access the internet during the day even social apps no not yet it's coming. oh so like the internet like just internet so like a lot of times i was always checking the news to see what like happening what's going on i got it you know, I don't have any pop-ups available. You know, I know a lot of people that have our friends that have like CNN pops mm-hmm. up, you know, with notifications. And that's a, like I turned exhausting. off notifications yes. years ago on my phone yes. and computer. Me too. And I also keep my ringer off. Yeah. I get calendar notifications and text message. That's it. That's like the only notifications I get. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, when it, you have an appointment coming for your calendar. It yeah, pops up. I get yeah. those. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is helpful. Those are otherwise called, I lose track of things. Those are called notifications. So those... I would say those are the biggest, sometimes there's, you know, it's like buying things is, a, is sometimes if shopping in a way, that's not like a huge thing for me, but. Some, I can go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, definitely. Those are the biggest pieces. It's just avoiding the, just whatever I can do. Even notice, I was thinking about this when we were talking about, it's like, let's say the kids are playing outside and feeling like I have to play with them, not, not all, or feeling like I need to be doing something instead of just like sitting in a chair watching them and just being there and like what's that like and oh i gotta get a book or i gotta get a magazine let's read a book let's from that standpoint. like let's use this time for something right i think this idea that, that's i would say that's the addictive of like the busyness in regardless or filling this void yeah well which is really we come by that honestly because we're taught that we're supposed to be making a good use of our time right and listen, I'm one of the people talking about we need to be making a good, I'm proud of the problem, yeah. right? Like my whole thing is about making a good use of your time. But really, it's a Trojan horse because it's packaged as like be more productive, make a good use of your time so that people will come over here. And then what's really over here is be with yourself. Right. Because... At the end of the day, like no one cares how much you got done. No one cares if on a Saturday morning you sat and spaced out looking at the trees or read a book. Right. No one cares. And you're certainly not going to be thinking about that at the end of your life. You're going to be thinking about if you were with yourself and if you advocated for yourself and if you stayed with yourself. I've been doing this workout called The Class. I'm completely obsessed. And you can get a free like they have a two a two week free trial it's just called the class like you it's find it just yeah. call, it's just called the class and taryn toomey is the founder of it but there's all sorts of wonderful teachers and in hers the other day she said over and over she just said we were doing something hard we were doing like mountain climbers the whole thing is you do hard things in the class and then you practice staying with yourself I mean, it's re- like literally mm-hmm. that's what it is. And so we were doing mountain climbers and music. Were- that's something else to check out with for myself. Oh, interesting. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. And she just said, stay with yourself. Notice where you went. Where did you go? Stay with yourself. And staying, like I think about labor and birth all the time during this class, because while doing this workout is not as hard as giving birth, there's a flavor of like, oh, I could stay with myself during 12 hours of unmedicated labor with Penelope. I can probably stay with myself for three minutes (laughs) doing mountain climbers (laughs) when I'm feeling discomfort. And so I've been practicing as opposed to 
being with myself saying, when is this going to be over? When is this going to be over? I can't do this anymore. I've been practicing being with myself in, oh, I'm feeling sensations and just noticing like, what does that actually feel like in my body as opposed to being like, oh my God, it's burning. I can't do this anymore. I'm so tired, whatever. Just really not labeling it as bad or good and just noticing what the burning feels like and where it is and like the nature of that sensation. And I learned a lot about this from Josh Pice in his work, Committed Impulse. I took a class with him. There was an acting class, but I was not going to be an actor. I think I was the only person in the class who wasn't an actor, but uh, he does work with a lot of entrepreneurs as well. And he really, his his dad was, a, I think, a neurophysicist. And he talked about, or, or something or like an atomic physicist, I don't know. But his dad, he talked about that his dad taught him that our bodies are just a bunch of atoms knocking together, right? Like that's all we are. We are just energy. And our atoms just kind of knock together in these different ways to create different sensations. And they're not bad or good. They're just a feeling like and so he would have us in the class describe what we felt in our body but if somebody would say well i feel fear in my chest he would say no 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 no. you've just labeled that as an emotion what is the sensation hmm. and it was so powerful and i i go back to that work all the time so thank you josh just thinking about like okay there's a difference between saying i feel anxiety in my solar plexus and there's a tightening in my solar plexus or I feel congestion in my low back or, you know, I feel, I feel like a dark, like a dark, you know, mass of stuck energy in my throat, for example, versus like, I feel scared. Really, really, really different. And I think if we want to be practicing being with ourselves, For me, it's easier to be with myself. Like the resistance gets released because I have a lot of resistance to being with myself like everyone else, but I'm able to break up some of that resistance by noticing what the sensation is and asking, okay, well, what's the nature of the sensation? Well, it's, it's like, has a temperature. Okay, so this is, it's hot. What's the color of it? Oh, it's it's dark gray. What's the texture? Oh, it's kind of, it's like packed together. What's, does it, is it moving? You know, is it vibrating? Is it a throbbing? Is it still? Just like really asking these kind of five senses questions about the sensation that you're feeling in your body. And when we get curious about the sensation, we're not so attached to the feeling and then it can move which it was going to move anyway but a lot of times what happens is stimulus feeling distraction right so stimulus feeling phone stimulus feeling drink stimulus feeling sugar stimulus feeling shopping whatever and with this it's stimulus feeling But in between the stimulus and the feeling, you pop in noticing sensation or, you know, somewhere around the feeling. I don't know. I'm just making this up as I'm saying it. It's basically like something happens, right? So like Mike and I got into a thing the other day. I'm talking about my full body soul hives, (laughs) Um, something having to do with our business. And I just was like, 
I really just, it was so painful in my body. I, I, it's really hard to describe and it's, it's, I don't even know why, right? And so I could have very easily gone and numbed, which I did a little bit. I went to the office and I scrolled, but then I wrote. And I was able to, as part of the, like, and, and I also shook in the office. Mm-hmm. Like, I just was with my body and I shook and I allowed the sensation to break up and move. And I didn't really need to spend a lot of time labeling it or I used to spend a lot more time wondering where things come from and like digging deep into my past and trying to figure out how to fix them. That's wonderful, and I'm so grateful for all that work, and I still do it, but there's something really beautiful about... There's, there's like a moment for that type of work is with, like, a therapist or something sure. could be great, right? Or journaling. I wrote right. all about yes. in my journal. Right. There's there's a purpose, like, that's... There is a time to do that stuff, but, like, in the moment that we were experiencing then, it'd probably go into the office, spending an hour, be like, where did this come from? What should I do? It's like, no, you took act. Like, there was an element of taking action to calm your system down, which you were just describing about stimulus. And then I forgot what the next thing was. Right. So, stimulus yeah. feeling like an emotion right. in between. A feeling can also just be a sensation is yes. basically what I'm saying. Yeah. And I was feeling a sensation of full body tightness and and I needed to be by myself with that feeling because you and I were in a conversation about what it was about and how to fix it. And I just, I wasn't there. Like I needed to be with the feeling so I could move the feeling and then I was able to move through. So I needed, so, excuse me. What I needed in that moment was to be with myself in the sensation. And then as I was able to be with myself in the sensation, that that emotion was causing and that conversation was causing, then it eventually broke up and moved on and I was able to come into a new understanding. But I don't think, like oftentimes I think we we go right into, this feels hard, how can I fix it? Mm-hmm. Or this feels hard, how can I numb it? And I think wanting to fix things is another way, can be another way of numbing. Like I yes, think a lot of 100%. couples talk about like, one person will come with an issue having a hard time and then the other person will give a bunch of suggestions about how it could be fixed when you know person a really just wanted to be witnessed in their discomfort which i think is alchemizing in and of itself like that's a healing act to be able to be and see somebody in their discomfort i talked about this actually last night on my incubator call we share So there's a check-in time for each of the women. They get to check in. And sometimes the check-ins are hard, you know, because sometimes people are having a hard time. And I was witnessing, we have a bunch of therapists in the group. I didn't do that on purpose, but apparently I attract therapists, which is great. (laughs) There's so many of them in this group. And so I was noticing that one person shared and there there was a loose end and... I could feel in the group the wanting to mm. fix it for this participant. And I said, I stopped and I said, hey, I just want to acknowledge that the f- structure that I have set up here is weird in our culture to allow somebody to share and be in discomfort and for us to just say thank you and not run in with solutions or suggestions or comforting 
or whatever. And I said, our ability to be with her in her discomfort and to witness, not to be, not to dive into the discomfort, but just simply be us with her feeling discomfort is actually healing. And, you know, the other day I was saying, I was talking about something being hard and my mom did this thing, which she often does. And, you know, I, of course I love my mother, but I am going to share this story. She wouldn't mind. (laughs) Um, And she said, she was like, yeah, but just imagine if it was X, Y, Z, right? So she she painted a scenario which would have been actually far worse. And I was so proud of myself because I said, mom, I understand that like it could always be worse. But right now, I just really need to feel how bad this feels in my life, in my circumstance right now. And she was like, oh, okay, got it. Because how often do we do that? Especially I think with our children, like, you know, it's like, well, it could be so much worse. You have food on the table. It could just imagine if you had X, Y, Z, right? Because it's painful to see people we love in pain. And so that's another numbing. That's another Mm -hmm. distraction, like popping out and saying it could be so much worse, I think is another way of not being with ourselves. Yes, it's true. I mean, just look at the, a great example is just to spend maybe an hour, I don't know, 20 minutes, just like, Looking at the news websites right now, I mean, it can cause all sorts of feelings in our sensation. I it, just stay with me, Kate. She's, Kate's face was like, "What? Don't no, no, I'm sure because our culture right now, it's like avoid the right. There's okay, so I don't want to downplay anything that's happening in the world, right? So what I'm about to explain and what's kind of how we're going to talk about this is just for like an example to test this theory out that we're talking about, okay? So like, look at, so there's all this, you know, some website might say, oh my God, the vaccine's going to be here. It's going to, all of us are going to get vaccinated and we're going to fix everything. Is getting everyone vaccinated the solution, right? Like, I don't know. So you just like start thinking about the thoughts and sensations that experience. But a lot of times when I'm looking at what's happening online, it is this place of saying like there's so much fear around dying there's so much fear around getting sick there's so much fear around being around people that might have corona now all of us have to go and wear masks even if we're out on our yards you know and then i saw another headline that was like now corona can live on the bottom of your shoes for up to 13 minutes right and so and so i'm like Okay. Spray that shit down. (laughs) Yeah. Spray it down. So now we can't walk. We have to hover everywhere, but it's a respiratory disease. So now we're hovering through Corona air. This could be a serious problem if you have small children because they lick things. (laughs) Yeah. I am. I literally had to say to Penelope last night, please stop licking your sister. (laughs) Right. So. And then it's so there's 400, there's 24,000 people that have died from Corona in the United States. Right. And I'm like adding emotion to everything I'm saying here, but I feel like it's a we're talking about sitting in the moment of silence and dealing with this comfort of pain or discomfort period or what pain is and, and checking out around it. What I've been doing over this time of Corona is going through kind of exactly what i'm explaining right now it's this process of like how what comes up for me 
when I'm looking at these things, what's triggered around it, right? Like I'm about to say a name that's very triggering right now for a lot of people in a way, but like Bill Gates, right? He's in the news. He's in the media. His his foundation funds the who, which just got its funding pulled from Trump yesterday, right? The whole thing. But the thing I love, like we talked about Re- Reval Navicon at the beginning and like um, these are both men that I'm Is mentioning. Is Reval Kamal's brother? Yes. Got yeah. It. So there's both men I'm mentioning. And so these are just two examples that have come into my life. And so with Bill Gates in his Netflix documentary that I watched about, I don't know, a couple of months ago, I'm going back to the time frame so people can experience it. But he talked about think weeks and every year he spends, I think it's one or two weeks a year in this cabin that he has someplace in Washington. Now the guy can afford whatever he wants. Right. So And he just sits there and he thinks and he journals and writes and drinks Diet Coke and he thinks and drinks Diet Coke and he just reads and he reads like tons of books and then he writes and then drinks Diet Coke. I mean, in the documentary, dude had like five empty cans sitting on his desk. So I used to mainline Diet Coke in college. Yeah. So I I just thought it's so funny. So it's the time of like giving our and so what what is bill gates doing right he's a billionaire he has endless amounts of money he can do whatever he wants he's giving himself space he's giving himself space to think so doesn't mean you need to do this for a week so i was really fascinated by that i'm like how do i create that like right now i want i'm i'm requesting from kate like a think week to go in the wilderness by myself for a week no but just like how do i create that (laughs) and i was like no (laughs) But I was like, how do I create that now in my life here? Right. So what are some things that I have done? And then you can share some things that have helped youth in this process. But I think even just looking at the news from I, the news media right now, I look for informational purposes. So it's like I just once a day I go on there, just check, see what's going on in the world. Okay, get off. See what feels how that process is in my body. And I'm like, okay, what do I need to do at this moment? Well, I have a kid that needs to go to bed. I got, I got to feed the food, you know, feed the food. You got to feed the food. You got to get family. Like maybe I got to pick up some groceries tomorrow. Let's map out what I got to do for work for the rest of the day. And like taking care of my things that I can control, right? This is an environment to be like, what can I actually control? So thinking about that of like, what can I control? But even this place of giving ourselves space, I mentioned music earlier or podcasts is another way to check out itself, but just it's having noise and distraction all the time. One of the things that drive me crazy is like going to an airport or going to a doctor's office or wherever. And there's just TVs blaring at all times. Or being in someone's home where they keep their TV on 24 hours a day. Yeah. It's like, to me, I'm not able to, even in the car ride these days, like if we're in a group of adults, and we're having a conversation, I literally turn the music off because I'm not able to listen to the music anymore and listen to the conversation to be engaged. So for me, I went on the snowmobiling trip a while ago and I literally spent two and a half hours in silence. I just turned off the music. I turned off podcasts. I turned everything and I was just there with my own thoughts. And so I've tried to create more opportunities where it's like I can just be there in silence in a way. And so how... It's like when I come down here and do my morning workout, sometimes I like to listen to podcasts. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll turn on a documentary. Lately, I've not been doing that with my morning stretching and just like being by myself. So those are, and then with the phone, I installed the Freedom app. So the Freedom app, it block, I can schedule all internet access and social media apps for a certain amount of time. And we don't have access to it. When I sit down at my computer to do work, if I would like to listen to music, I moan, now I'm mainly listening to like classical 
without words, just something that's a little bit more chill. Sometimes I need to be more amped up or want to get, you know, so it's just, it's paying attention to these moments. And then I started doing breathing in the morning, journaling in the morning, like the artist way talks about three morning, three pages. So that's been helpful. And I noticed me getting up about at least 30 minutes early before our children is helpful for me to just kind of navigate into the day. So those are some th- with the, with being by myself space that's been helpful. Yeah. You know, part of our business is social media, right? And I have seen a lot of folks on social media talk and I've talked behind the scenes with a lot of folks who also, you know, part of their business is being on social media and how wonderful it can be and how awful it can be. And and one of the things that I've just been navigating recently is just really affirming that I do not work for the algorithm. Noticing how... Yes, for folks, social media can create this addictive scroll, but also how it can create this comparison. And then also for those of us who are content creators, it can create this feeling of like, I should be showing up there. Mm -hmm. And for me during this time of the quarantine, I have felt mostly more inward. First I was sick and then I was struggling emotionally and now I just kind of care less about not care less about our business. Obviously, I care a lot about you listening and I'm and when we are super committed to showing up for our podcast listeners, for our origin members, for our incubator, for our for our mastermind, for the people in the Do Less Book Club. Those are our commitments. And I just have noticed like I'm less it's I mean, you know, when you are told stay at home, go inside, you know, be inside, it's like I am just more inward and it's just this more, you know, I talked about on a previous episode from my book, Do Less, the concept of the upward cycle of success and how collectively we are in this fertile void. And Ra talked about it on the last episode about the sacred pause. And Mm -hmm. really it's the invitation for rest and reflection. And it is the invitation for being with ourselves. Because I think that oftentimes people hear this idea of like, Okay, the new moon time, the menstrual time, this inward, dreamy, you know, intuition meditation space. And they can think of like bubble baths and journaling and, you know, self-care. And and that's all super beautiful. Maybe going to the spa, whatever. No, none of us are going to the spa right now. But I also just want to bring up that when we are in these periods energetically that bring us into connection with darkness, shit comes up. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yes, it's about rest and reflection, but it's also about being with ourselves in the discomfort and increasing our capacity to stay with ourselves in discomfort and to stay with ourselves in a variety of sensations that being a human brings up. I mean, that's really all it is. And, you know, I noticed for myself, you shared all your numbing behaviors. Mine are absolutely scrolling on Instagram. I I took Facebook off my phone. I wasn't a big Facebook like that wasn't a trigger for me. But because I run a bunch of Facebook groups, what I would do is I would be like, you know, stirring the stir fry for dinner and then like open Facebook and, and be like half responding to somebody in one of my groups and then half making dinner and like trying to be with the kids. I mean, just terrible. And it just like created so much inner turmoil for me. And so now Facebook does is not on my phone and I only log in on my computer, which means I'm fully present for the people 
in our groups. And that feels infinitely better to me. And I've been taking Instagram and email off my phone on the weekends, full stop. And that's been really great. And then doing a post on Sunday nights because doing a Sunday setup evening post feels really good to me. But anyway, just sort of this. So so scrolling, definitely like eating at night has been a trigger for me. It has been a number for me, especially since the coronavirus. So I asked my body the other day during the class, I was like, do you want to be eating after eight? Is that like a healing activity for you? Or do you want to not be? And my body was like, I do not want to be eating after eight. And so so I have set a boundary for myself that like, I do not open the cupboard again after eight, just because it's like, I'm not hungry and mm. it's not good for my sleep and That's the good. digestion and all of that. So we'll say some of those good apple chips for the rest of us. I know I eat all the apple chips. We, eat, we get the bear, B-A-R-E. And they're these apple chips and then the crumbs are at the bottom, just like any other bag of chips. But the, the when you get the fresh chips. I eat the, all of them. She eats all the fresh chips. It's like. I'm sorry. You're not leaving. It's a numbing behavior. Yeah, it's, <laughs> those big fresh chips. We all want them. Anyway, so our invitation that we're trying out ourselves is being with ourselves during this time and seeing if we can notice the sensation that makes us want to run and instead stay right and it's even like that's personal like what's going on -on one-on-one but our dynamic in business as well has been a thing that has also been somewhat hard yeah it's been hard but it's also (laughs) it brings up sensations in my body (laughs) yeah it brings up sensations that we've been have been exploring for a number of years now and you know it's like i would say since 2011 yeah, since we we started this journey together. It's uh, a good point. And so it's been this process of what always happened is Kate would come with a problem and I would come and fix it. And it was her, it was like her not being, I mean, you can, I don't want to speak for you, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like being in the uncomfortable phase and then knowing your comfort is Mike would come and take care of it. And then it, there got to a point where it's like, I got, especially with 2018 and my skin and this whole thing that wasn't possible really anymore and so what happened was we started noticing this dynamic was coming at a head and i realized i didn't want to be in that position anymore and so it's been this growth process which we'll talk more about this on future episodes but it's been this growth process for both of us during this time as well especially with our company and we're noticing this across companies in general and boundary you know we're going to see this 100 percent. this is going to be exposed with companies and businesses in your local area and environments with companies going to be closing and business partnerships and what all that looks like with what's happening right now during the Corona time. But it is, it's this not just affects us personally. This also affects like our marriage and then also our business relationship and the interaction with our kids, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's all see what happens this week. If we just one time, just one time that you want to numb, just notice what would happen if you stay with yourself and just notice the sensation that you're feeling that you're trying not to feel and notice what happens if you feel it instead. That's it. Thanks for listening. What if you could get more done in less time, but more importantly, feel more calm, peaceful, and at ease. You can, and my book, Do Less, is out in a newly revised paperback format with 14 experiments to implement 
right away. You can get it over at katenorthrup.com forward slash book, along with some incredible bonuses, including a masterclass on manifesting with New York Times bestseller, Dr. Shafali Sabari and me. So head over to katenorthrup.com forward slash book, get your copy of Do Less and your incredible bonuses now.